0: Welcome to Truzilla. I am Megan sitting here with Scott and Ed. Today we have a very special guest, Tom DeWeese. Tom is the president of the American Policy Center dedicated to stopping the enforcement of Agenda 21 in order to preserve American property rights. He is a lecturer, activist, and author of countless articles and several books, including the bestseller Sustainable, The War on Free Enterprise, Private Property and Individuals, and Erase. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Hey, it's good to be with you. Thank you very much. Thank you so yeah, much for joining Thanks so much us. for coming on. Yeah. <laughs> this is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, so um, I guess <laughs> I'll, I'll get us started here, Tom. Um, you know, I've known about Agenda 21 for several years, but I, I, it didn't really affect me until recently or not that I knew of. So um, <laughs> lately, as as we're seeing uh, so many things in the world roll out, and, uh, you know, since we've had COVID and uh you know, just just all the different things with the, the fires, the um, the BLM, the protests. Uh, there's a lot of things that have been pointing us in the direction to see what's really going on, and we keep coming back to Agenda 21. And uh, we've tried to you know to do our part to to learn a little bit to kind of catch up. But uh, what what I'd love to hear is someone who's spent 30 years uh, looking into this uh, to tell us a little bit how you see this agenda, um, what it is, what and. And uh, how do you see it, Tom?
0: Yeah, well, let me just give you a little history about this, where it came from. Uh, Back in 1992, the U.N. had an Earth Summit in uh, Rio de Janeiro, and uh, they had, what was it, 170-some countries were represented there, Uh, 79, no, I'm sorry, 179 heads of state were there, and including George H.W. Bush. Mm -hmm. And... uh, they, what they called it was the agenda for the 21st century and the other thing they said about it was this is a comprehensive blueprint for the reorganization of human society. Think about that. Yeah. That's that's a pretty big statement yeah. and uh, all these countries signed on to it. George H.W. Bush said, oh, sounds good to me <laughs> and uh, they began to spread it around and uh, it's, it's interesting that as we began uh to raise a ruckus about it and and get some attention on it like they always do and when i say they i'm talking about i mean you've got uh the u.n the u.n bureaucrats you've got these non-governmental organizations that helped write it the sierra club the nature conservancy the world wildlife fund icly all these organizations helped write it and they made it their mission to take it out uh, around the world and implement it and uh It's it's interesting because as we started to make a ruckus about it, they started saying, oh, you mean that innocuous document that (laughs) it it doesn't have any enforcement capability? It's just a suggestion. Well, the big point that they leave out is it was in 1993, one year later, and Bill Clinton got elected president. He created the President's Council on Sustainable Development. And on this council were those same NGO groups, a lot of them, that helped write it in the first place at at the UN level, uh, uh, representatives of almost every federal agency, and corporate uh, heads of corporations. Enron was one of them. And the whole purpose of uh, this President's Council was to take the suggestion of Agenda 21 and make it federal policy. And you you go into any website of any federal agency, HUD, EPA, Department of Transportation, those are the main ones. You will find the whole section there on sustainable development. And the sustainable development is the uh, policy of Agenda 21. And I've got the the outline of Agenda 21 here. And I'll just tell you real quick the, the different sections of it. Section one is Social and Economic Dimensions, and it talks about international cooperation to accelerate sustainable development in developing countries and related domestic policies, combating poverty, changing consumption patterns, demographic dynamics and sustainability, uh, integrating environmental and development in decision-making, promoting sustainable human uh, human, uh, settlement development, Section two, conservation and management of resources for development, and it talks about protection of the atmosphere, integrated approach to the planning and management of land resources, uh, combating deforestation, managing fragile ecosystems, uh, you know, all the things that go with that, uh, biological diversity, environmental mani- and sound management of biotechnology, on and on and on. Uh, of all this. It gets more interesting, uh, section three is strengthening the role of major groups. And this uh, global action for women towards sustainable and equitable development, keep that in mind, children and youth in a sustainable development, recognizing and strengthening the role of indigenous people and their communities, strengthening the role of non-governmental organizations, Ooh. partners for sustainable development. These are the guys who wrote it. Golly, <laughs> they put a section in there for them. You know, local authorities initiative in support of Agenda 21, strengthening the role of workers and their trade unions, strengthening the role of business and industry. In other words, bringing all of these elements into this blueprint for the reorganization of human society, strengthening the role of farmers. And, and the final one, section four, is means of implementation, financial resources and mechanisms, transfer of environmentally sound technology, cooperation and capacity building, science for sustainable development, uh, promoting education, public awareness and training, uh, you know, on and on and on, information for decision-making, uh, international legal instruments, another important one, uh, and mechanisms and international institutional arrangements. This is Agenda 21. Yeah. This, is, yeah. this covers every aspect of our lives and it tells us who's going to do it and what they're going to do. Now, the thing about UN documents, when they put them out to the public, They never give you specifics. It's all in this nicey, nice language. We (laughs) just wanna help the environment. We wanna help, we wanna make sure we get rid of poverty. We wanna help people. We wanna help them in healthcare. And that's how they get away with saying, well, there's no enforcement capability here. And uh, yeah, they wrote it that way. But were all of these countries and all of these world leaders there and hundreds of these non-governmental organizations if it didn't mean anything. they just having a barbecue and a discussion? (laughs) So yeah, there it is, that's that's agenda 21. Well, when I said that they don't ever put it in the language that they, uh, you know, what they really mean. One of the examples of that, now this was in 1992. In um, 1999, the UN came up with uh, what they called the Global Poverty Act and the Charter for Global Democracy. And the, the Charter for Global Democracy had 12 points to it. Now this, uh, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, I'm gonna tell you what these points are, but what happened was you never heard about the Charter for Global Democracy later. Well, what happened was it was too specific. And so in 2000, they had the Millennium Summit and they came out with a Millennium Project, a Millennium Decor- Declaration, and it had eight points. And uh, as, I, as I read from the Agenda 21, it talk about poverty and things like that. Most of the eight points deal with poverty, uh, how we're gonna do away with poverty and so forth, but they put it in very innocent sounding, innocuous language. But let me tell you what they really mean when they talk about the Charter for Global Democracy. Principle number one calls for the consolidation of all international agencies under the direct authority of the United Nations. That's so world scary. health organization. <sighs> a, yeah, there it is. That is so. Scary. Principle two yeah, called for. UN regulation of all transnational corporations and financial institutions requiring the International Code of Conduct concerning environment and labor standards. Principle number three, explored various schemes to create independent revenue sources for the UN, meaning UN taxes, (laughs) including fees on all international monetary transactions, taxes on aircraft flights, Uh, And on shipping fuels and licensing of what the UN called the global commons, meaning use of air, water, natural resources. Now, they have they've been they've been trying to implement the law of the Sea Treaty for about 20 some years and actually longer than that. And what the you know, the UN let's let's be uh, straight about this. The United Nations is a club. It's a club of countries. And. They came together, the, the excuse when they put the United Nations together was we had just gone through World War II. Yep. We had just experienced a horrific uh, situation. The first atom bomb was released. It scared everybody. And we gotta do something. We got, what we need to do is put together a forum where countries can come and talk out their problems before we go to have you know can go to war. The truth of the matter is we've had more wars. Um, the United Nations has been in place, than any time in human history, and none of them ever end. They never end. The Vietnam War never ended, really. And uh, so this is what they do. But the idea of them getting a a system of income for for taxes, what makes a government a way to tax, a way to get income that way? And then what does it take to create a government? It takes the ability to tax, It takes the ability to have your own standing army, and it takes uh, a judicial system. Well, first of all, principle number two is calling for, uh, you know, to to create taxes. Uh, Principle number three explored various schemes. Oh, that, that was principle number three for the taxes. Principle number four would restructure the UN. Now, this is key they want to eliminate the veto power of the members of the Security Council and eliminate the Security Council. Now the Security Council has been a thorn in their side since day one, because all these communist countries trying to push through all these kind of policies and the United, Nation or the United States has stood up time after time and used their veto power. It only takes one member of the, of the Security Council to veto something and they can't go forward. So what do they want to do? They want to get rid of that. Now what they want to do is create an assembly of the people instead of the security council which would be populated by hand-picked non-governmental organizations. Make on in other words this would be our representatives as the people. You know we always say all the time we didn't vote for anybody who's the head of the UN. Well, Now they want to say that the Sierra Club and the Nature Conservancy and the World Wildlife Fund and uh, on and on and on are the NGOs. They would be our representatives. How lovely! What they want to do. Principle number five would authorize a standing UN army. Principle number six (laughs) would require UN registration of all arms and reduction of all national armies as part of a multinational global security system under the authority of the United Nations. Principle number seven would require individual and nation national compliance with all UN human rights treaties and declarations, everything. National sovereignty would be dead. Mm-hmm. Principle number eight would activate, here we go, the UN criminal court and make it oh. compulsory for all nations. By the way, that already exists. They've already done that. So there you have it, taxes, army, court system. Principle number nine, called for a new institution to establish economic and environmental security by ensuring sustainable development. Mm. And principle number 10, would establish an international environmental court. Principle number 11, demanded an international declaration stating that climate change is an essential global security interest that requires the creation of a high-level action team to allocate carbon emissions and so forth. Principle number 12 demanded the cancellation of all debt owed by the poorest nation's global poverty reductions for the equitable sharing of global resources all allocated by the United Nations. Oh, of course. course. So there there it is, the Charter for Global Democracy. Never heard of that because it was too specific. But take a look at all of the policies that we're dealing with today. Every single one of those things are being discussed, and most of them are in the Green New Deal. And this is what the United Nations does. It uh, you know, we, we, they they started with with uh, Agenda 21. Then they went to the Millennium Project, and then they came out with Agenda 2030.
1: Yep.
0: Each of these is more specific than the last. Sure. Uh, but they, they but they always couched it in this very innocent sounding language until the Green New Deal, and the Green New Deal said it all. And they for the first time they were openly admitting same guy anything to do with environmental protection it yeah. has to do with global yeah. governance and controlling every action of, of people wow. so there you have it yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's, it's like just, and, and as i've brought all this out over the years i have been attacked <laughs> and all i've ever done is quoted them yeah. i'm not clever enough to make this stuff up yeah.
1: <laughs> so. it's it's insane it's insane i mean it's i mean it comes down to the i mean what we kind of know what they want, but it's they want one world government headed by the UN, and they want to control everything we do, say, eat, uh, the water. I mean, every every everything they want to control everything. And then if if you get out of line, you're yeah. going to their court. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, it's so scary, and uh, most people don't and know now, that this now is Now break, break it.
0: Yeah, and break it down. When you say they want to control all this, they want to develop, you know, push everything in their direction. Now, how do they do that? And that's where it gets down into what we what we've been talking about uh, of Agenda Twenty One being implemented in every single community in this country. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, for the last fifty years, the I, 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 I'll just go back to the election of Ronald Reagan when he won forty nine eight Jimmy Carter. You know, the left didn't just take the defeat. They said, we're never going to let this happen again. And what they began to do was dig down. And they began to uh, go into city uh, councils and mayor races. And, uh, you know, when was the last time you ever heard a conservative say, we've got to make sure that the, uh, uh, the um county attorney or the the district attorney is one of our people when we ever think about that when did we ever care what the dog catcher did so forth they did they've gone into every single one of of these kinds of races and they now all across the country they control it now the covid lockdown has proven their achievement what they've achieved here and the mayors and the governors have absolutely locked down their cities and their states and there's nobody questioning it and you've got the uh, city attorneys and so forth saying oh yeah, yeah I can do all this and all yeah and i've had people take documents in to before city council to try to talk to them and i've had in, in a couple of different cases where the city attorney took the document we had a resolution the resolution just says if you're going to do something it's going to affect my property you'll bring me into uh, into the discussion there's a sure. radical position. <laughs> and if you're going to go ahead and do something that's going to damage my property, you're going to pay me for it. Yeah. And you won't come on my property to measure it, photograph it, make your plans without my permission. That's what it says. And you wouldn't believe the red ink, the city attorney's said, that's illegal. You can't do that. You can't tell us that. Blah, 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 you know, And this is what we run into. And the double speak, the hypocrisy, on and on with it. But this is how they're implementing it. Sustainable development, and uh, you know, in, in the cities, what you call smart growth, comprehensive development plans. These are all written by these NGO groups. They come in and they bring it in, and the and the, the city councils and so forth in many cases don't know anything about it, and they uh, you know and they're saying, hey, oh, we got a grant for it. We got everything right there for you, and uh, you know, step by step, this is how they're implementing it.
1: And and that's a lot how they how they do this right too is with those grants those grants is how they they get people to sign on and then maybe they, maybe all these yeah. a lot of these people don't know what they're getting into so I mean that's been a lot of you, what you've done in your organization yeah. correct to to help at yeah. the local level right
0: well the grant the grant programs the the different grants are written by the NGOs yeah. and every single program that you see in your community whether it's roundabouts or bike paths. Or uh, you know they have they come out and they tell you. Uh, different materials you need to use for building. Of course, the smart growth programs It's where everything, the, the whole sales pitch is, we're gonna have everything right downtown. You can live right there, you can walk to work, you can ride your bike to the grocery. Uh, and, and you know, we're gonna get rid of these dirty, smelly cars and get rid of all that traffic congestion, everything. And everything will be right there within walking distance. And you have to go somewhere else, then we're gonna put in light rail trains and so forth. And uh, the goal, sustainable development is to shut down, the uh, uh you know the uh oil industry and, and, and so forth that sort of thing. And uh, you know, that but that's how they do it, step by step. Sure, but they sure. put it in language where it sounds like, oh yeah, oh, no, okay. Sustainable now, green. You've also done you sound got, good. Yeah. Just to protect the environment. Yeah. You don't care about the environment? <laughs> Why wow, you selfish person. Yep. Don't wear your mask. You're being selfish. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. The interesting thing we're seeing now and I on this, is they are looking at the tactics that they have used in the COVID lockdown, and uh, they have been having training sessions with all these NGO groups and stuff on how to use what they're learning with this lockdown to implement climate change and sustainable development, and right down to uh, the um, uh, the uh, using the slogan, "We've got to." Uh, flatten the climate curve. <laughs> flatten the climate <laughs> curve. Right there. Oh, man, there it is. is.
1: Well and we've we've Black looked we've around at yeah. uh, agenda 2030 and i mean it's pretty much all based on covid at this point. They've they've replaced yeah. all, all the wording. It's all surrounded by covid now. Yeah. Uh, I don't
2: I don't know what was on the mm-hmm, Sustainable sustainabledevelopment.un.org yeah. website prior to this whole incident but if you go there every single one of the 17 goals now every single one is all centered around covid. And so it's
0: just the trojan yeah. horse for them yeah. to roll it all out it seems like. I mean they are, I mean these guys are clever guys. they are yep. creative. they never let as I said one of them said don 't ever let a crisis go to waste yep. and they figure out how how to do that and uh, the The club of Rome, which was one of the oh, uh, yes. uh, perpetrators of all of this, yep. helped write it they They, they said that uh, what is it the words they use that the, 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 the we are um the enemy going to, uh, itself, right? Uh, well, that's, that's what they said. Yeah. And, uh, this is a re the green reboot is what mm-hmm. they're calling this. Oh. Here's what, here's an interesting fact. They were, the climate change issue was beginning to really lose, uh, for them because, I mean, if people list the top 10 issues that were vital to them, it was number 10. Yeah. They didn't, people didn't care. People were getting to understand that this was the biggest scam ever perpetrated on human uh yep. society and so it was getting nowhere and now they're calling you know, the COVID things the green is is the green reboot to mm-hmm. uh to put all this in place yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's interesting where where we live we just had um you know massive mm-hmm. fires along the west coast here and uh you know so so we switched from you know everything was about covid to everything was about climate change almost overnight you know, it was, uh, and our governors, I mean, we're all, all Democrat states along here and they're I mean, they are just all on top of this. It is just, it is all about climate change. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's- What it, they're, all
0: as the, I was saying, that this training, that the training that they're doing right now is, is, is they were saying as soon as the, uh, you know, the COVID emergency is passed, then, uh, you know, they're training these people to go into the city councils and use these new tactics, on climate change and and make that the the focus on everything. Yeah. Sure. Interesting.
1: Uh, Tom, I was going to ask you about one thing too. I know uh, you talk a lot about these NGOs and uh, I don't know if, if if our listeners really know how insidious this is. Could you explain what an NGO is and and how they're used?
0: Well, first of all, it's not just a, a nonprofit organization. Sure. You have to be authorized by the United Nations. It's actually in their charter, non-governmental organizations. And as I read that you know, list of things, they're, they're listed right there. Uh, once you are uh, authorized by the United Nations, then you are able to go into all the, the international meetings. You were able to participate in writing documents. And of course, they have these international meetings and then uh, they, they always come out with some sort of a document. It's been Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, all these come out and then again, get all these uh, world leaders to sign on to it and it becomes policy. But the NGOs are writing it and it, they're putting in their uh, agendas, putting it right in there. So that's how they, it becomes, you know, the, you had, for example, you had the, um, One of the uh, original organizations fighting in all this stuff was called Earth First. One of the most radical uh, environmental organizations are a guy guy named Dave Foreman, the head of it. He created a thing called the Wildlands Project. I actually have an original document of it. And uh, the Wildlands Project called for in the United States rewilding was the term they used 50% of all the land in every state back to the way it was before Christopher Columbus came here. The the Wildlands Project became the basis for the United Nations Biodiversity Treaty. So the ravings of this lunatic became uh, the the base for an international uh, document. Let me just give you one thing that Dave Foreman said. He said, my three main goals would be to reduce human populations to about 100 million worldwide, destroy the industrial infrastructure and see wilderness with its full complement of species returning throughout the world. There you go.
2: That's it. I mean, that's one of the things that I kind of wanted to zero in on definitely during this interview because, you know. It's easy to get lost uh, when you're doing research into the whole conspiracy realm. And it's just like, you know what I mean? And and, and, and that's the last thing I want to do. I want to actually be like, okay, look, these are the facts. These are the facts. You hear a lot of people talking about a 90% reduction in human population uh, as a part of the Agenda 21 plan. But how do we extrapolate that? Like, so yes, like is the, the, the global biodiversity statement like that? I, I, I heard about that. And, uh, you know, obviously we're seeing these other things perpetuated in the world today, Um, How else can you extract the whole depopulation agenda out of the Agenda 21 uh, documents?
0: I have a document I'm not supposed to have, (laughs) and I've had it for a good long time. This is a draft document. I know you can't really see it. It's a draft document uh, written by the, uh, the Office of the Assistant Secretary for Community Planning and Development from HUD. And oh. this was written in 1996 specifically to be presented to the ha- UN's Habitat II conference in Istanbul, Turkey. And we're gonna talk about hmm. the urban and ecological summit, uh, uh, these these different things. Now this was a draft copy. So this was before they cleaned it up.
1: It. Oh, they're onto us, we're, now. Yeah, we, we're <laughs> losing you. <yeah. laughs> uh Can can we get modern back? Modern to-
0: humanity is fast populating the entire global landmass. This means massive impacts on land, water, and resources in order to have the, necess- uh, the necessary industrial.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're getting too close yeah. to the truth there. <laughs>
0: yeah. The- they, uh, there we right go. about yeah. when you start
1: reading the document, yeah. we so lost you. Yeah. We, we okay.
0: Istanbul. So let me just, let me just start right there. Yep. Just yeah. If you right could.
1: I'm really, I'm really excited okay, to yes. see, hear about this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Modern humanity is fast populating the water and, uh, I'm sorry. Modern humanity is fast populating the water and, uh, resources in order to have the necessary industrialized infrastructures that modern communities demand. This now means the impaction of massive urbanization far past anything seen before apart from earth changes, glaciers, or asteroids, uh, asteroid collisions, And the results are to diminish much of nature's diversity and stability unless a rebalance can be attained okay <laughs> so we're rebalancing now this okay. goes on and
1: on yeah and who gets yeah. to determine i now you have- don't want the united nations determining the rebalance for me yep <laughs>
0: exactly now you have bill gates oh our buddy
1: oh and man they're really on it.
0: billion more by stick needle arm Bill Gates compared the coronavirus statistics with what global warming can potentially bring to humanity. The mortality rate of COVID-19 is 14 people per (laughs) 100,000. Global warming keeps rising. You listen to me again? Because, yeah, know, we're up, yeah temperatures like uh this to the end of the century, the world would see seventy three people per one hundred thousand uh extra fatalities every year caused directly or indirectly by global warming mm. it goes on sure all right well let's exactly. let's give it
2: one more run yeah. here and if if the lizard people cut us off again then we'll we'll, <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll, we'll go to, yeah. So yeah. awesome. It's man. frustrating. It yeah. it's frustrating. So I don't yeah. want to get too far away from yeah. Bill Gates though, because that's, that's a really big, yeah. you know, yeah. so, um, you know, obviously just a huge ally of the UN world health organization, you know, that whole cabal and China too. Yeah. Um, how I, I heard, so we had a guest on last week, uh, her name is Mel Kay, a researcher from New York. And she was talking about how at the UN, each one of these committees, uh, has a Chinese national actually in charge of them. Have you heard much about that? Are you familiar mm-hmm. with what China's role is oh, in all this?
0: Oh, absolutely. It, yeah. it, it's really interesting because a whole lot of the treaties that, uh, the putting out that, uh, create American or cost us money, jobs, whatever the, uh, China, India, and, uh, Where's the other country, they're always exempt from these things. The the, the very countries that are uh, you know helping put these things together, China is on all of these different uh, committees, and they always exempt themselves from uh, from the rules and regulations and what they what they put out mm-hmm. because they're a, a developing country. You understand? Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: So we're just going to cut real quick. We had to switch from the Zoom video over to the phone because of a bad connection. So bam. I noticed last week there was an article in the New York Times talking about how, uh, you know, this, this election is going to be, you know, so heavily contested that we're going to need to bring the U.N. in Ooh. to uh, regulate that. Um, what, what does that look like? I mean, isn't that the ultimate goal, right? Like, the, so the goal to be to, for America to fall so that they can roll out these agendas. And it seem like that's what they're talking about. And, and what does that look like, in, like a U.N. occupation in the United States?
0: Well, you would see blue helmeted troops at City Hall, (laughs) and uh, you know that's uh, they they would control the ballot box, and uh, and so forth. You know they would use the excuse just just like we talk about martial law and Mm -hmm. and U.S. troops and so forth. That's basically what it'd be. It'd be U.N. martial law, and uh, you know you would see these troops and you would see uh, vehicles and everything going down the streets and everything. It's uh, it's a pretty frightening thing and yeah. uh, uh occupation is uh, the united states is basically what it would roll down to
2: that's yeah that's crazy um what so where where do they get their blue helmets from like where who are they from any particular country are they a mixture of countries does each country contribute a certain percentage of their armed forces to that
0: yeah they do that's the interesting thing when they talk about bringing in u.n troops because most of the troops that the UN has are from the United States. <laughs>
2: that's what I was thinking.
0: But uh, you know, but uh, you know, the other countries, yeah, they they uh, supply troops. from England supplies troops, and you know, various other countries do. So uh, uh, yeah, it's, and that's the thing when they're talking about uh, a UN military. This is where it would come from. It, they would uh, take away all the national sovereignty of uh, free nations. And uh, they would you would probably see a draft of uh, soldiers uh, from, you know, each country. But they're now one big global community and, uh, you know, it would be pushed into serving for the United Nations. And uh, that's how they would do it. Yeah.
2: So I've heard, too, that like, okay, so, for example, each each country has their own standing army. And that makes sense because you're in potential conflict with other countries that have their own standing army. But in a system where it's one global government and you have one global army, who are they fighting? I heard the, it was like, uh, yeah. What what are your thoughts on (laughs) the citizens? Who are they fighting? Yeah.
0: That's a good question. It's a really good question. And (laughs) and what they, they're, they're really a police force designed Mm -hmm. to make sure that nobody rises up in opposition to anything the United Nations wants to do and keep complete control with their global village and uh you know the one thing that the united nations does not want is any kind of opposition and the other thing they don't want is any country uh trying to do things independently that messes up their well ordered society one of the examples of that is uh inventions and so forth the uh at the um uh in in the un meeting where they came out with agenda 2030 one of the things they were talking about there was called zero economic growth now think about that zero economic growth that meant that there, everybody would be equal. There would be no rising, no falling. Everything would be right exactly the same. But if you have zero economic growth, then you can't afford to have some little hotshot over here who invents something that completely throws off everything else they had. Uh, for example, if, uh, you know, we were in, in those times in the past, uh, Thomas Edison, when he comes up with the electric light and getting electricity in every every home, completely upset the natural order of things. You know, Thomas Jefferson and Alexander the Great lived in the same world. They both lit their homes with a candlelight and they both rode horses for their transportation. Thomas Edison comes along, uh, Henry Ford and completely revamps everything with the automobile. The Wright brothers had, you know, made it we could fly. Uh, under under these circumstances, if the UN had its way, those guys would be uh, probably uh, executed for heresy. You know? yeah. And uh, so, you know, this is this is what we're looking at. That, that no longer would you have uh, hopes and dreams and goals of your own life, of what you want to do and how you want to do it, uh, the ability to earn uh, some sort of wealth on your own. All of that would be gone. That would be selfish. That would be evil, not allowed to have that. This is the utopia that the United Nations set on putting together, and if you read the documents, if you read the Green New Deal, you read all these other things that I've been talking about here, there's no question that's exactly where it goes. You don't question what you're doing, and, and, and if you think, well, that can't be done, take a look at the argument on Black Lives Matter – just say to them, well, all lives matter. And they go absolutely off the bonkers, you know, the end of yep, it, yep. because that is selfish and you don't understand what we're trying to do. Well, there you have it. Wow
1: no they've they've been co-opting uh, th- like the the whole population through through these things. I mean, with cancel culture and then now we have black lives matter and and these different things. I mean, and it goes back to the education system too. they've and how they educate our children at this point. Um, I know you've talked I've heard you talk some about education how what do you what do you think about how how this agenda has been implementing through our education system?
0: Oh yeah, back in uh, again when Bill Clinton was president and he implemented uh, the, um, uh, workforce development boards. And, uh, you know, there were three different programs that he was putting in place that completely revamped the American education system. It went away from academics and became, uh, job training and, uh, uh, basically, um, attitude adjustments and so forth, uh, to, to control how you think and what you know, and so forth. You ask these children, today, anything about American history uh, or even geography, things like that. You've seen these videos. People take the cameras around and they ask people these questions. And, you know, what what year was the War of 1812 fought? uh, 1922? Uh, You know, they they know nothing about academics. (laughs) They know nothing about geography. Ask them where England is, you know, (laughs) things like that. They don't know. And because we went to behavior modification, and you think this way, these are the attitudes, values, and beliefs that you're going to have. and anything your parents taught you uh, is verboten, you're not look what they're saying right now with these uh, you know where the kids are learning from home right now watching their computers, and they've put out an order that parents are not allowed to monitor this. Really? Why? You know oh my God. This, is, this is uh the stuff that we're hearing. But this is this is how it operates. And the you know, the education system is no longer about academics, it's about behavior modification. And a few years ago, uh, one quiet Sunday afternoon, I got an email from a guy from a, a UN NGO group called the Eden Foundation. And he was attacking an article that I had written on global warming, and the word Nazi was used, and you know, so forth and so forth. Of well, I did a little research into the Eden Foundation about what they were about. The Eden Foundation advocated a policy called globally acceptable truth, and what they said was, uh, if you know, the reason that we have war and poverty and strife is because there's too much knowledge. It's too difficult for people to make decisions with all this stuff they've got to deal with. So we're going to take care of it for them with globally acceptable truth. And without using that term, that is the American education system today. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, that that just makes me cringe hearing that (laughs) we're seeing that I mean we're seeing that with censorship roll out right now I mean especially since since uh the COVID-19 pandemic has hit I mean look at how many doctors and scientists and 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 people that that if you don't go with their narrative you're shut down you're taken off of everything yeah I mean people I mean totally
2: just today there's a big purge. some of our friends on uh YouTube you know their channel is completely gone hundreds of thousands of subscribers you know their income gone Mm -hmm. just gone
0: yeah. yeah, basically what I have been warning about for 30 years yeah. Yeah. is all right there in front of you today. Yep. And, uh, you know, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the nutcase. I'm the radical, uh, you know, We're conspiracy are a scaremonger <laughs> 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 and all I've ever done, as I said before is quote them.
1: Yeah, that's totally. all yeah. I
0: do, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, I, I mean, I mean, and that's in like, when I started this, I mean, I think, That's what we keep finding as as we're looking around and, you know, we, as we're seeing that the world doesn't make sense around us, these things that are rolling out upon us, everything keeps leading us back to agenda 21. It is all part of the same agenda, everything, everything that they're pushing forward right now. And so, I mean, I feel like we've had to get caught up, um, you know, right quick. Yeah. But, Mm
2: -hmm. and things like the, the great reset, right. The great reset, the world economic forum, they're talking about, you know, there's like, I heard Klaus Schwab talking about like, there's the three, different uh pieces of it right there's the the uh, equality like the quality of outcome just pure equality across the board the second one was sustainable development mm. and the third one was um the fourth industrial implementing the fourth industrial revolution you know smart technology 5g uh so I wanted to definitely get into a little bit about like um, the human settlement zones, which just sounds so ominous, but then I think what we're starting to see packaged in this bright fancy thing is the idea of these smart cities. So yep. how does the yep. smart cities factor into this? And then yep. if you could touch on maybe what the idea of a human settlement zone is and how those correlate.
0: Yeah, these, um, as I mentioned earlier, the, the smart growth program, which is what you'll see in almost every single community, uh, and what is that? Uh, i give you one example. The poster child of smart growth was Portland, Oregon, 20 years <laughs> ago. And one of the first things they did was they put around the boundary of the city, what they called an urban growth boundary. And they said, no growth will take place outside of this boundary because that is urban sprawl. And urban sprawl means people have to drive further to work. And so they uh, are... Um, you know, they're going to use more fuel and uh, we'll have to spend more tax dollars for infrastructure and on and on and on. So we're not going to have any of that out there. Everything's going to be right here in this in this city. And uh, what uh, happened in those 20 years, They uh, the earth, urban growth boundary never expanded, but the population grew by 80 <laughs> percent. And now they have a housing shortage. And they are now beginning to, uh, Oregon was the first state to do this as a state, to uh, ban zoning protection for single-family neighborhoods. And the excuse to that is we could put, in that backyard that you have, we could put a 100 families there in one of these high-rises, these stack-and-pack uh, sustainable buildings. And the sustainable building is built by with certain materials. It is, uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, we can, we can control the uh, energy that is used in it, and uh, everything is right here. So, what you're going to see here, and this is – in my book erase this was kind of the the center of, of uh, what I was writing about the um, when they now are de- uh, demanding that we use the um, uh, what they call alternative energy or natural energy, uh, winds power and solar power, which literally does not work. It does not. it supplies like 3% of our thing. I, every time I've ever gone anywhere and people had these windmills up there and everything. And I say, well, how much power does that bring to you? I was in Wisconsin. They were taking me a tour around, show me all these things. I said, how much power does that generate? He says, nothing. You know, <laughs> half the time you see those things not turning. Well, what when that is the only power we have? Like they've now demanded is going to happen in California. It's now policy in California to get rid of all power except wind and solar. What's going to happen is here they are all living in these high rises. You know they've gone as high as they can go. If they go any higher, there's the the air will start getting thinner. Uh, so what they'll do is suddenly have energy shortages, and they will demand, for example, that uh, Overnight, all the power will be shut off. For example, uh, there wouldn't be three shifts of factories; there would only be one, and this sort of thing. What happens if you're living on the top floor and the elevators not running? You know, what happens to any kind of nightlife, restaurants, uh, other things that are open at night, entertainment places, things like that? All gone that is the utopia of smart growth and what they're doing and if you these cities are putting together these comprehensive development plans pushing for that and you will see in there uh provisions for uh international development plans international plumbing codes international electric codes everything is one size fits all uh so everybody lives exactly the same and uh you know it doesn't matter what your own particular problems are or your own s- situation uh everything is one size fits all and that is sustainable development and uh you know go on and on and on we can go into what's happening to the beef uh industry with sustainable development and uh you know we're going to we're we're losing uh farmers by the hundreds right now with all this and it just goes on and on yeah
1: and, and with, you know, with these smart cities and uh, the way I have seen it from my research, is you take this thing out far enough. I mean, they don't want us in nature at all. They, they're going to put us into the smart city and you're going to stay there and you, and you won't have a car to drive. So you'll be in autonomous vehicles and you'll you'll just take the, the, the trains to get from, uh, you know, maybe one human settlement zone to another. Um, uh, do, you, do you see it getting to that point, Tom?
2: Oh absolutely it, it it's illegal it's, it's, to be going out in nature right Is't that the idea like we wouldn't yeah be
0: yeah but well, what the, the, the excuse that they use to keep you from going out in the nature is that your shoes will scuff up uh, <sighs> you know um, invasive habitat or invasive species that you will take into the into the woods and it wasn't supposed to be there. That's the excuse mm. that uh, you know and we've done it you know our entire lives sure. and uh, you know in all history we've gone into the woods, but all of a sudden now to be invasive species and uh so yeah that's uh that's one of the excuses they use and of course i'm sure you've heard you know the, these fires that are burning like crazy in california and all over the west uh these uh the, the sustainable uh farming uh, uh, uh timber policies that they've had uh what they what they said was well nature doesn't remove the trees when they die on, on the floor of the house that's that's natural man is the one that comes in there and cleans it all out and so uh, man's not part of nature so we're not going to do that anymore and uh, years ago a uh, congresswoman from Idaho Helen Chenoweth took a congressional delegation into the forest in Idaho and showed ten feet of kindling on the floor of the forest it was so thick even the little animals couldn't get through it and this is what is now burning, like it is burning hotter than ever before, more forests burning down. Now, how is that helping the environment? How is that helping the animals that are scorched to death over it all? Uh, all because of this policy. And uh, it, you know, it, it, it just it, – it, it has no basis in scientific fact, and to say that man is not part of the ecology is – you know, just just insanity that we're not allowed to do anything on on the earth, and what they want to do is get rid of us. So the the, the, um, the guy named Richard Kniff on on uh, the Audubon Society said, among environmentalists uh, sharing two or three beers, the notion is quite common that if only some calamity could wipe out the human race, other species might ha- once again have a chance. This is their mental attitude. This is oh, what yeah. they think.
2: Yeah, was it like Prince Philip or thing or something like that? Said uh, if I could come back as anything, I'd come back as a virus and wipe out the human race, stuff like that. Like that's their mentality. Yeah, Prince
0: Philip said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, the um, uh, PETA, is, mm. you know, is, is uh, you know the, the big animal rights movement. PETA believes no one should have a pet. That that's slavery. Oh. You know, don't tell and me again that. So here are all you know how many how many liberals who, you know, have their dogs and their cats and their pets and how much they love them. They're going against PETA and, uh, and, and uh, you know, it's ha- what it advocates, Yeah, but they don't know that.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: totally. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing too, so we were talking about the rationing of energy and electricity and all that. Um, what do you know about the, uh, the the idea of like carbon credits? Um, I've heard that discussion come up quite a bit where it's, uh, you know, you will get a certain amount of carbon credits every year just for breathing and using the restroom. Like those are using up your carbon credits, especially if you're like a, a big corporation. And if you run out of carbon credits and you have to purchase more from some, uh, you know, organization, is that part of the plan too?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, anything (laughs) that is designed to control the use of energy is Mm -hmm. part of this. Mm-hmm. And the lies that they have told about uh, using fossil fuels and what it's done. The uh, you know w- w- one of the examples is if you ha- if you if we convert everything to wind and solar. And it uh, and I got a, a call from a lady in Wisconsin uh, just recently about help me with this. The they they set up these solar farms or these wind farms that take thousands and thousands of acres of land to just have enough to keep one community running or something. Uh, I was told uh, by an expert on this several years ago that at that time, this was back in the 1990s, at that time, if they wanted to use just wind power to make up the shortage of, of electricity that California had at that time, it would take an area the size of Connecticut to do it just for a shortage of the power that they had. Imagine if the entire country is converted to this and here we are, we're not supposed to go out in the environment, we're not supposed to damage the environment or anything, but all of a sudden, it is a massive forest of wind uh, towers and windmills and solar panels. And by the way, uh, what ha- what is happening to uh, birds and raptors and so forth with those uh, wind towers uh, there's actually one NGO group that their their uh, mission is to go out and clean up all the dead birds that lay underneath them. Somebody sees them, you know, <laughs> wow. and uh, uh, on and on like that. So th- th- this is this is insanity because it's well, you talk about, uh, you know, for, of course, you, you mentioned nuclear energy to them and their heads explode. <laughs> but one nuclear plant that takes up about three acres of land, you know, can power uh, New York City. Mm-hmm. you know and more uh and we've never ever in this country had uh anyone die from uh you know a nuclear uh, power plant but just fossil coal plants and so forth the uh, the same thing one plant two or three acres of land and it fuels everything and uh, you know I'm sure you've heard all these things the the, the electric cars
1: yeah, that are yeah,
0: supposed to yeah, you know protect yeah. us all and everything, and the batteries that <laughs> yeah. it takes to make them. Well, the interesting thing is the the wind power the 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 you know the big, big uh, blades and so forth, first of all, they take oil to make it turn. <laughs> oh. Second of all, <laughs> yeah. the blades are not biodegradable and they have huge stacks of them everywhere so every single thing that they come out to try to say this is environmentally correct is a disaster to the earth every sure. single thing that they're talking about uh you know and i have often said if environmentalists would come out of their towers in new york city and actually touch the ground they might know something about the environment <laughs> and i well, one, one of my favorite stories on this is um Back when – if you might remember the whole issue of the spotted owl out in Washington and Oregon and out there, and there was a uh, community meeting. I think it was in Oregon. I'm not sure, Um, and uh, they were were telling the people how they were going to protect the spotted owls and that they were all endangered, Uh, first of all. They were finding spotted owls living in McDonald's signs and under bridges. So human beings being around spotted owls weren't hurting them as long as they had a food supply. But they had this meeting. They were going to tell everybody how, you know, what they were going to do with it. And of course, you know how the environmentalists just absolutely worship the Native American Indians, you know, that these people lived off the land and only took what they needed. And that's the way we should all live. Well, at this particular meeting, an Indian chief got up and indicated he wanted to be recognized. They had this whole big thing about spotted owls. They oh oh yes, chief, yes, speak. You know, they're all excited. He's going to speak to them, and he looked at him and he said. In my religion, the spotted owl is a symbol of evil, and I will kill one anytime I find it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I love it! That's, That's okay. great. That's great. Whoops!
2: So, so Tom, this is a uh, UN Agenda 21 is a uh, grounds-up, local, locally implemented problem. What are some local solutions that we we can implement? Uh, what have you learned through the COVID thing? And maybe this would be a good segue into telling us about uh, some of the activism you do at the American Policy Center uh, as far as the, uh, yeah, know the local level I'm,
0: goes. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, people – I'm getting calls all the time with people saying, is it over? Can we ever stop it? Mm-hmm. And I've always yeah. said I'm the Pollyanna of the movement. And mm-hmm. I, I – I, you know, one of the things our side has got to do is accept little victories – we we get together, we get all upset about something, and maybe a hundred people will show up at city hall and protest something, and nothing happens. And you know, I, and I'll say to them, well, what did you do the next day? Well, nothing. It didn't work. That's <laughs> our problem. We want to win today, and we you know, and and, and we don't want to do the work. For 50 years, we have seen the left dig in and they have put their people in every single level of government and no matter how small and we've let them do it and we've done nothing we haven't been uh, organized precincts we have you know we'll get we get excited about a presidential election but we don't pay any attention to the mayor the city councilman and uh so you know here we have we're seeing with the COVID thing exactly how far and how much they've achieved and it's not fun to do that work, that's the problem. And we have to dig in. What we're doing right now, the American Policy Center, we're running a series of webinars. We just uh, produced a new uh, workbook, a manual, a uh, local activist manual and workbook on how to fight back on the local level. And uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, uh, we were preparing this, and I, I've known for years how to fight back on this But all of a sudden, when this COVID thing came, I thought, what's going to happen here? We're kind of in a new world. I don't know exactly what we're going to deal with. And I sat back and I watched to see what would happen? Well, what, I, what was proven to me was I was absolutely right. Local, local, local. It was the mayors, it was the governors, yeah, it was city councils yeah. that have moved to shut yeah. things down. And this is where we have to start working. So you have to dig in. And so we're teaching uh, people to, uh, you know, how to organize. And I, I, everybody who comes on the webinars, I tell them, I want you to picture that person who has never been an activist before. And sitting there, going, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. That's who we need to talk to. That's who we need to to, uh, to train, and that's what we're working on. And uh, so we we've done five webinars so far. Uh, they're on our our website at AmericanPolicy.org. dot org, and uh, we um, you know are, are steadily moving forward. But what we have to do is, uh, you know, we, we've there are certain ways. To fight back on this. One of the things that's happened over the years is people hear somebody like me speak, and they get all hopped up about, we're going to fight Agenda 21. And they run into city council, and they say, you're implementing UN Agenda 21. (laughs) Well, mostly city councilmen never heard of this, at least at that point. And behind them is this horde of NGOs. And they're in there behind them saying, don't pay attention to them. The guy's nuts and people wonder why they shut off to them and they don't pay attention to them anymore. Uh, Some of the things that we do, we elect a new city councilman. And in most cases, the city councilmen are not evil to begin with they are just people who want to get involved in, in a community well the first thing we do is ship them off to meetings national meetings of the uh, uh, you know the uh, ICLE? national uh, <laughs> uh, well not exactly <laughs> there, there are the national conference of mayors the uh oh, oh yeah Association, yeah no uh, yeah, i'm sorry the, the, these kind of things yeah, yeah my bad i didn't mean ICLE i didn't mean you guys background.
2: do i meant i meant uh, they yeah. do they do that my bad <laughs> yeah yeah
0: they do yeah. and so they go to these things yeah. and who are they hearing from the podium? They're hearing Ickley, they're hearing yeah, yeah. The, the Sierra Club, and these guys, and they're and then they're telling them, hey, we've got a we've got a sample legislation right here for you, and we got the money for you too. And then the guy comes home from from these meetings, and they're met by representatives of the same groups, and they're saying, yep, did you get that sample legislation? Here's the grant money, here's everything, and then along comes somebody like, you know, heard me talk and they start talking about Agenda 21 and, you know, they just dismiss them. This is what's happening. I, you know, I I had a, a, a report, a city councilman said, you know, this, this is, this is what's trending you know, put our people down saying that. So we have to focus on the local level. And what I tell people is, instead of talking about international policies, we now know, as we've established here in this conversation, where they're coming from. But now take a look at what they are in your community. You can look up the Comprehensive Development Plan, probably on their website, and you can begin to look through it and see, in many cases, you're gonna see whole neighborhoods that are affected by this. In many cases, they are minority neighborhoods. They're gonna bulldoze, they are gonna take them all out of there. In those neighborhoods, there are people who own property, people who have little mom and pop businesses, and when the bulldozers are done, they're gonna be out of business. What happens to those people when that happens? They're gonna be forced onto the government dole because when they rebuild everything there, they're gonna bring in corporations to be the restaurants and the laundries and the other things, not the ones that were already there.
2: Yeah, cool, um,
0: the main thing that we have learned as, as we fought this is that uh, they cannot implement these policies without destroying property rights. Property rights is their number one enemy. And that's why we have focused and we teach to focus on property rights and, uh, you know, get, if you can get those protected. What, I, what I'm advocating now is take your own local community and develop it as a freedom pod. Don't worry about next door, yeah. don't worry about what the state's doing, but focus on those policies in your community that are affecting private property rights, affecting local businesses. Affecting your freedom of choice. The three pillars of freedom are free enterprise, private property, and individual choice. And all three of those things can be affected on the local level. And if you can protect those things, you know, look at look at local communities right now. COVID has proven again the corporations, the WalMarts, the Targets, those things are all operating. They're making money. They're going going well, but local mom-and-pop shops are shut down. And it's become more and more difficult for local businesses to survive today because you have public-private partnerships between these global corporations and your local government. And that private partnership between them, public-private partnership, those corporations are helping to make the regulations. And the regulations are designed to put the little guy out of business. And so these are the kind of things you can focus on and you can begin to turn it around and to uh, uh to fight back. If you protect property rights, you will tie their hands. And then get your own people elected who understand this. You've got to do re- you've got to do precinct operations, work there. You've got to, you know, uh this is the kind of things that we're training that people how to do.
1: Have wow. have you had success and do you see hope going forward?
0: Yes, I do, and uh, we, you know, it's hard. There's no question about it, Uh, and we've we've got a lot of work to do. But we have had successes. We um, we had a case down in uh, Alabama, uh, tiny little uh, community down there uh, on the water, and uh, some. NGOs came in there, and it, Biola Battery is the name of the town. It was actually featured in Forrest Gump. Yeah, and uh, they they had they build ship uh, ships and things like that. They Had like 14 shipbuilding companies and so forth. And these NGOs decided we're going to make this a uh, a tourist uh, a place, you know, in ecotourism. And uh, they started. They had the whole thing all together. They had the money lined up and everything. They had the city council ready to go with them. Well, it turns out there were a few people there in town who had heard me speak, and they recognized what it was, yeah. and they went to war, mm, and yeah. they won. They won. They stopped it, and the one thing you got to know is these guys will never stop. They will come yeah. back at you with a, with a different name for it or whatever, and they go, oh, this isn't that. This is, this is new. <laughs> they will always say it's always local, and it's not. It is international. And, uh, you know, but if you focus on that local level, you can stop it. And then if, if you do it in your community, the community next door, say, look what they did. And maybe you can begin sure. to train them and teach them what you did. Now you got another one. Now you got another one. Pretty soon you are electing good, solid people who know what to do. And then you're going to have it step up to the state legislature. And uh, one of the things we've created is five bills a state legislator from Washington gave me on Uh, how to protect private property in various ways. And uh, we're teaching now uh, legislators, uh, usually the people who believe the way we do are in the minority, and so they can't get anything done. What do we do? Let's say you've got five or six legislators in your state legislature, and they can create a a liberty coalition in the legislature. Now they can network with people in another state, legislators in another state, to do the same thing. What if you had 10 states like that, where you had five or six legislators in each state with these liberty coalitions, and on the same exact day, In all 10 states, they introduced these five bills to protect property rights, and they had a news conference in each state at exactly the same time, and we had people trained to support them as they do it. We would start a movement, and that is one of the things that we're teaching. We've got the bills, and they're available, and uh, they're in our our workbook.
1: Sounds like we got to beat them at their own game.
0: Yep. Exactly.
1: Essentially, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Wow, that's
2: really good stuff, man. I'm I'm really hoping that our listeners take all that and run with it. Uh, yeah, wherever certainly. you're at in the world, man, look in your local communities. Like, just do a Google search with your city's name and sustainable development, and see what you see. What you come up with, man, Tom. Uh, wow, this is really good stuff. Um, can you tell us maybe a little bit of how to find you or your work? I know you touched on it a little bit, but uh, how do how do we, how do the people find you?
0: Yeah, well, the main thing is our website is AmericanPolicy.org. And we have an archive of articles there that go back 20 years on, you know, talking about all these different issues. I've, I've got a bunch of articles on education. I've got a bunch of articles on obviously Agenda 21, sustainable development, uh, even on, uh, as surveillance society, all that kind of stuff we've done over the years. And, uh, you'll find one of the things that we, uh, have begun to really focus on is how to fight back and, and create the tools. We have a, 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 our own little store on there, and we've got manuals and booklets and so forth on on you know on that. And uh, of course, I, as we mentioned at the beginning, I've written three uh, books on this. Uh, My first book was called Now Tell Me I Was Wrong, and it was a a collection of all the articles that I had written uh, on all this stuff when I was told I was crazy, and it was all coming to fruition, and so uh, that's hence the title, uh, and it gives you a good history of where some of this stuff comes from. And uh, then my second book was called Erase, and that is a political thriller, uh, murder mystery novel that is set in a sustainable world. And what's really interesting about that is I wrote it before Trump was elected and before all this, you know, COVID stuff and everything happened. And that book is getting a resurgence because people are seeing. there's like, "How did you write about all this before it happened?" Wow. You know, I don't. It's not exactly this, all the same, but it's very similar. People are seeing the similarities and they're, they're understanding better by reading it. And in my latest book is sustainable: the war on free enterprise, private property, and individuals. And uh, it is. I wrote it as a uh, you know a workbook for people to uh, you know really understand. I've got all the details the policies, the players, the issues, and how to fight back is uh, is all in that book. And it, it became a bestseller on Amazon, yeah. Awesome, man. That's such
2: good stuff. Yeah, that's great. Do you, do you have any final thoughts or any words of wisdom?
0: Yes. Don't give them our nation. Fight. Fight back, and we can yes. win because these people are terrified that you're going to know what we've told you tonight. And, uh, you know, they've done everything they can to stop that but we're getting that message out and more and more people are calling me saying, Oh my gosh, now I see it. I didn't know back then. And that includes elected officials. We can beat them. We've just got to stand strong and fight back.
2: Dude. Wow. Such a powerful message. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. You guys have anything else?
0: I think that's amazing. It's so mind blowing. Thank you so very
2: much for being here with us tonight.
1: Yeah. Thank you. you. I really appreciate
2: it. Yeah. Great. Well, we'll have to have you on again, and for updates as we go along. Maybe after the election. I know you guys are doing a lot of a lot of activism work there too. So, all right, Tom. Well, thank you so much, man. Have a great night. All right. You too. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Tom. Thank you. Good night. Bye bye. Good night. Bye
0: bye. Well, everybody, that was Tom Deweese. Absolutely mind blowing. You guys look into this for yourselves, please. And uh, thank you so much for giving us your time tonight. I am Megan, sitting here with Scott and Ed. We wish all of you intellectual prosperity. Good night. <laughs>
1: Beep beep. beep.